Untitled Beatles Podcast. Wow, TJ, happy St. Valentine's Day to you. You know, Tony, of all the Beatles songs, <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> you know, the one thing we don't talk about a lot is how the Beatles stole a lot of shit from Journey. Steve Perry's going to take it back. Do you understand? We on the same page. Do we have this? Because, you know, in reality, Yoko was just a small town girl. I don't know why I'm picking on Yoko. <laughs> Boy, Last Sopranos, 05 White Sox, that song is a banger. Hi, Tony. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Do you celebrate it? Do you, I mean, let's say it wasn't COVID or whatever, and you could, you go out and have a meal. What, how do you do it? Just fucking, Haas. <laughs> Dear Untitled Beatles podcast, I don't like the fucking language. <laughs> Uh, how do we celebrate Valentine's Day? Well, in non-COVID times, it's different. Pre-having a kid, you know, we would do more date nighty stuff. Now, like last year, we had uh, my wife's sister. I'm boring myself right now, but uh, <laughs> Carrie's sister um, watched uh, our son, and we had a really romantic uh, uh, night. And this year, we're gonna. I think I'm gonna do something special because my wife's birthday and Valentine's Day are within two weeks of each other. So we're just gonna do like I think a, a special food delivery from an East Coast restaurant she loves. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's cool. How about you guys? Yeah, we would just try and find somewhere to eat that wasn't going to be Psychopath City and try and just have a nice night. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we would actually do it maybe like on the 11th or the 16th or something like that so we could at least enjoy the day and not be like, you know, because they do all those tasting menus and you don't get a choice and it's just like, here's $300 and you're going to eat a fish with a potato and a vegetable. <laughs> uh, what? Deal with it. And one glass of champagne. And it becomes like the Pink Floyd's The Wall or something. (laughs) (laughs) Tina Turner shows up. (laughs) Wait, is she in The Wall or are you thinking of Tommy? I'm thinking of of Tommy. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Anne Margaret and the Baked Beans. The Who, Pink Floyd. It's all. Everyone's favorite part. Well... Well, we thought it would be fun to make like a uh, a Beatles, you know, Valentine's. I'll say it properly if for people that can't deal with Valentine's Valentine's Day mix, maybe a revisionist history on the double LP love songs from 1977, which was not entirely love songs. Love songs is one of the weirdest slipshoddy compilations that also made George and Ringo look very small. The cover of love songs <laughs> took the uh, those are Richard uh, Avedon. Avedon and just shrunk two of the four Beatles heads. Well, it was the lens. He was using a fisheye lens. So. Right, but in the, in the original, w- weren't they all the same size? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I think I, they were. You know, I never studied it closely enough. I always, I just thought that they took that image and embossed it. Some Beatles fan. <laughs> Dude hasn't studied the love songs cover. <laughs> I got to deal with this. Are we rolling? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, drat. <laughs> oh, yikes. Uh, yeah, so this is, um, you know, Beatles Valentine's, Beatles love songs, I should say. There's so many of them that when you and I first talked about this podcast, when you, Casey, and I were planning this, I thought, well, do we open it up to solo stuff? Because Paul especially, Paul has so many love songs, both silly and otherwise, and there's a few that have been forgotten about because they're either on lesser albums or he has so many. So one day, I think we could just do a show on Paul love songs, but for today, we're going to stick to the core Beatles catalog. From 63 to, I believe, 95? Six. 96, right. Yeah, and we thought we would pick five and then one wild card. Because you got to have a joker in there. 
Yeah, you gotta have a Joker. Joker, Joker, we're gonna pick five. <laughs> nice. Brubeck and Journey, the mashups. <laughs> Wow, man. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) And insulting to people who love Brubeck and Journey, although the latter can F off. Why, how come they swear so much? (laughs) How come they use the letter F so much? I want to hear fuck. I don't like when this Beatles show swears. The only F word I like is in Paul McCartney's Big Boys Bickering. Big Boys Bickering. Fucking it up for everyone. So these are my favorite Beatles love songs. Uh, I'll just kick it off with uh, If I Fell. This is perhaps one of my favorite John Lennon ballads. It was his first attempt at a proper ballad, uh, and he called it the precursor to In My Life. And Valentine's Day trivia, he wrote the lyrics on the back of a a Valentine card. To May Pang. Jeez, was she even born yet? I don't, yeah, I guess she was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. May Peng was 25, Yoko was 70. I love that joke at some point. Um, yeah, uh, what a great song. Now, do you prefer the kind of mono, non double tracked vocal? This and And I Love Her, for some reason, I prefer the non double tracked vocal on both those songs. This, by the way, I, uh, what a great start for this because one of the greatest early John ballads you mentioned inspiring in my life, Tony, I think. One of the reasons people called Double Fantasy's Woman his kind of Beatle number was because of its resemblance to If I Fell so many years before. Yeah, it's just a great song. I don't know. There's something about this song. I To answer your question, I too prefer the single-tracked version. There's something clumsy about the double track. Um, yeah, because it starts off with the with the vocal, and it's hard to match that without a count-in. It's, yeah. it's a little off on the double track. At least that's how I remember hearing it. But yeah, I, I heard this song like, you know, I was like in eighth grade and it reminds me of Puppy Love <laughs> in eighth grade. There's something very innocent about this song, even though the lyrics are claiming that, you know, love is more than just holding hands. But it's still that idea of being that young and discovering that idea that love is something more than just like, oh, I like you. Let's, you know, drink malts together or whatever. In our 57 Chevys, you know, you know, Beatles 57 Chevy. <laughs> Rock and roll music, baby. <laughs> and, and I don't, have you ever heard the, the demo? I, I want to say I actually sent it to you in an email years ago, right? You, I'd never heard it. You, it's a, a piano demo. I think it's on piano. You sent me the demo of this six, seven years ago. I'd never heard it before. It's just so beautiful. And there's a haunting quality to it because he's singing the higher, he's singing the part that Paul would then take uh, in the song. And it also was one of the first songs that had like a, a different intro, you know, than the song proper. And uh, Paul seems says he kind of came up with the intro, the, that preamble part. So I don't know if that happened. And then John recorded the demo. But anyway, it's it's a beautiful song. It remains one of my favorite love songs. If I fell in love with you, would you come to me and help me understand? Because I've been in love before, and I found this love was more than just holding hands. If I give my heart to you, I must be sure from the very start. 
This song made either of our lists. That and And I Love Her are such essential parts of the Beatles' Hard Day's Night movie and soundtrack. Yeah. My parents were not huge Beatles fans in the 60s. The one album they owned was A Hard Day's Night. So even in homes where people didn't love, love the Beatles, those two ballads were like standards and very early Beatles standards. So what a great, great way to start it off. I have another primarily John song that they were doing live in 62, and it's Ask Me Why, which appeared on the, on, uh, the uh, Please Please Me album, and in fact was the B-side to Please Please Me. It's John attempting to write a ballad proper, and it's got such simple melody and such simple lyrics. One of the reasons I love this song, you know, they did it live for several years. There's a Pete Best version of it. I don't know if that was erased or if it's floating around. I don't know if I've heard it. But they recorded it in the same session they recorded the song Please Please Me, and of course it became the B-side, later appeared on the Please Please Me album. And it's such a beautiful, simple, early John Lennon song with such great harmonies with John and Paul. Please Please Me was initially more of like a Roy Orbison ballad, yeah. and I feel like Ask Me Why satisfied what the Beatles were going for with a bit more of a ballady feel in that same session. They'd already been doing it live, like I mentioned, for at least a year. So it's in one of the earliest Beatles songs, original Beatles songs written. And I just think it's this little gem of a tune on, I think, if you can call Please Please Me underrated, their most underrated album. One of the greatest debuts in the history of pop music. It's a cool song. Yeah. I dig that kind of bossa nova beat that Ringo does. And uh, those kind of, you know, like at the end of, uh, is it Misery, right? Where he's like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does a little bit of that here too with the I, 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 I. Yes. It's a great song. I've actually, I've always liked this song. It's a great point, Tony. John letting his sense of humor almost play the mock balladeer 
yeah. kind of doing like like he does in Misery. And also, there's a deceptive chord that ends it. You do, 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 do. It ends in an interesting, non-traditional way that shows how their brains were working. How do you take a simple ballad and make it one notch more interesting? Well, they figured it out. Yeah, and I think that's why we always just love this band, because they were always trying to do something different. And it worked so much of the time. Yeah, yeah, and they succeeded. (laughs) Crazy. Absolutely insane. Well, my next love song is off the White Album, and it is interesting in that it is a song written for his mother, but also for his his girlfriend at the time, Yoko. This is, of course, Julia. So we do have a little strange kind of a Mike Pence thing going on there. (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone ever done a a, a Mike Pence mashup with Mother from Plastic Ono Band? (laughs) They ought to. Serving the American people in this office has been a journey I never expected. It's a journey that would not have been possible without the support of my family, beginning with my wonderful wife, Mother. Thank you, Mom. I love you. No, no, they oughtn't. (laughs) You're right. You're right. I've always loved this song. It closes uh, side two of the White Album. I think it's it, it's the only solo John song in the Beatles canon. I just think it's a beautiful song. It has that claw hammer finger picking, which, of course, I'm a big fan of. Taught to them by Donovan in India. I love the lyrics, half of which are kind of owed to a poem by Cahil Gibran. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but the poem is called Sand and Foam. I've always loved how it starts off. Half of what I say is meaningless. Yeah. There's something that's very like Gen X about that, that I related to the same way I relate to Strawberry Fields Forever, where he's lyrically constantly contradicting himself and you're not sure. It's kind of the precursor to the whole, oh, well, whatever, never mind. Yeah. I really don't care. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> the moron. Oh, no. Maybe we all do have a lot in common. Maybe that (laughs) is what this is. Laissez-faire slackerdom led to a Melania Trump's jacket. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) 30 years too late. But uh, yeah, (laughs) I've always liked the song. I think it's just one of the most beautiful songs he's ever written. And I love how small it is, meaning production. It's just guitar and voice, but also how huge it is encompassing this idea of love and the the pain that he has for his lost mother that he's kind of been strangely looking for and somehow he's found it in this older woman <laughs> Yoko Ono and he's finally able to kind of bear his soul he can finally do this i don't know there's something really huge going on in this simple actually it's not a simple song as they're recording it you can actually hear i forget if it's George Martin or or Paul saying like this is a hard song you're doing here The chord changes are all over the place. Anyway, I love this song. The whole bridge is complicated and beautiful, right? Shimmering, glimmering. Yeah, it's calling a Beatles song simple is incorrect. They took simple ideas and made them complex. And that's what Julia is. When I cannot sing my heart I can only speak my mind Song of love 
major seven right right he does it in a way that's not syrupy or cliched it almost tugs at the heartstrings it's the only time in the song there's a major seven i believe and he saves it for a moment that closes off the song the side and the first album it's a statement piece yeah and as you know major sevens are discordant yes that's right which is such a strange thing that something that is such ear candy is also not part of that chord structure yeah yeah it's a great song a great one and in fact my next song and we're gonna make a playlist put all these together because you can't you can't make you know uh any wrong decision with beatles uh playlist unless you open with the end which is always weird here's my playlist there's a mix up with ringo is this person has he ever heard the beatles before why did it do that um but my next one is a flip-flop of side one uh excuse me of side two disc one of the white album and that's uh, i will yeah mono i will especially that doesn't have the mouth base from the word go right right it comes in yes that's right it builds and i prefer the the cleanliness of starting without it i believe the mouth base comes in on and if i ever saw you i think but it's a simple paul song that's got that same kind of finger picking feel it's a bit country western yeah Uh, it's been criticized because you can read pieces about this song let's say what a beautiful song but it hints at some of Paul's lyrical deficiencies. But I call bullshit on that. Love you forever and am forever. Love you with all my heart. Love you never we're together. Love you when we're apart. May not be I am the walrus, but it's a beautiful sentiment. And that's what Paul's trying to say. Uh, it, uh, all the criticism, a lot of which came from John in that Playboy interview, mm-hmm. uh, both Playboy interviews, certainly more the 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 one from 70. But Oh, that was Rolling Stone, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, the, the, the Rolling Stone interview with, with Jan Wenner and then the one with David Sheff and like Nitty was Playboy. Yeah. Um, you love how I accidentally just gave too much information to prove I'm not an idiot. Have you ever done that? I'm like, oh, well, yeah, well, you know, David Sheff. <laughs> well, you're backing it up. It makes sense. Not C-H-E-F, like from South Park. Hey, topical South Park reference. <laughs> Those You can't do Book of Mormon anymore, by the way. Book of Mormon's been canceled, and I love Book of Mormon. But half of that show you just can't do anymore. I never did see it, but I, I'm obviously familiar with the South Park guys. They were... yeah button pushers and envelope pushers as well. They they, they were pushers. <laughs> they were pushers. Speaking of pushers. Salt and pepper's here. <laughs> Major seven. <laughs> push it, push it, push it. <laughs> My favorite love song. So I Will is not a statement piece the way that Julie is, but it is a beautiful song. And a lot of the criticism of Paul McCartney just singing, quote unquote, silly love songs is such BS because he did it on a level and with a capability that few others could do. When at last I find you, your song will fill the air, sing it loud so I can hear you. 
this one also ends on a major seven. Oh, that's wild. Wow, two in a row. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Well, they went from major sixes to major sevens. They were making progress. <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs> that's, why, that's why the Yellow Submarine soundtrack's full of major eights. <laughs> Next up is a, a mid-period song. Actually, I, my next two are both from the same record, but I'll... Me, oh, buddy, I think it's funny. We made these lists independently, and we have a similar kind of flow and periods, which is great. That's fun. Sim- when you, anytime two guys with similar <laughs> periods, you know they're tight. Yeah, we're in the same cycle. Our cycles yeah, the same are... same cycle. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Michelle. This is actually one of my favorite Beatles love songs, and this is an old one, meaning for Paul, when he dusted it off. It was one he had laying around since 1959, which I just learned. He was, uh, it was one of his first attempts at like a finger picking thing where he, where the guitar was playing both the melody and the bass line. It's like a Chet Atkins thing. And uh, it was his childhood friend, Ivan Vaughn's wife, Jan, that gave him help with the French lyrics. And he later sent her a check for her help on, on the translation. Oh, wow. For the French bit. Yeah. I like this song when we were talking earlier about how we celebrate Valentine's Day. I like to go out to a nice restaurant or something. This this song to me is like the Beatles version of a, a nice restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like like a hula hands or a, or a Ruby Tuesdays or an Olive's Gardens. Don't take Hannity's free breadsticks away. Liberal breadsticks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great song. And yeah, I, I think I knew Paul had this laying around, but I'm also, was it John who came up with a kind of Nina Simone influenced? I love you. I love you. I love might've been a John contribution. Yeah. At least I think according to one of those interviews, Nina Simone or screaming Jay Hawkins, it was her, it was her version of, I put a spell on you. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a great song and the kind of Greek guitar lines on that song. It's some of the nicest guitar playing that whole album. Rubber soul is just filled with such beautiful guitar playing. And Michelle is no exception. I love you. just a great song and and i know i've mentioned this before but the solos are done on a bass with a capo so yeah yeah, that to me was a a fact i didn't know until recently and anyway it's a great song i think it's an elegant song i think maybe that's what i'm getting at this is like a an elegant song there's versions of love right there's the nice going out to eat restaurant there's the holding your hands puppy love and then there's like you know fucking and making out (laughs) at a burger king (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, you know. 
<laughs> We've all done it. Granted, it, w- it was with a Whopper. Bear back and had a tasty freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it on chili dog. Outside of taste of- what does it mean? Who sucks in a chili dog, Johnny M? <laughs> I think what he means is like, you know, the way some people eat a Reese's peanut butter cup and they put their tongue through the center and do like cunnilingus on a Reese's. (laughs) (laughs) Cunnilingus on a Reese's. (laughs) I think that's what he's getting at. Diane sitting on Jackie's lap, got his hands between the knees. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, Okay. I mean, that's a great song and also kind of canonized within the Beatles' most quote-unquote important songs when it was put on 62 to 66. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. For a whole generation, second generation Beatle fans, myself included, learned early Beatles stuff from those Red and Blue albums. So those songs have always felt the most important. Because, yeah, you know, I agree. Kind of designed by uh, the Beatles uh, themselves. Right. Mine is a mid-period George song from one album before Rubber Soul. And it is a George contribution, I believe his first original contribution to an album since The Great Don't Bother Me, and it's I Need You from Help. Please remember how I feel about you I could never really live without you So come back and see Just what you mean to me I need you, I need you, I need you. That was on my runner's up list, man. I wanted to put a George song on there, so I'm glad that you, glad that you did. Yeah, it's a great George song. I've always been fascinated by that, the use of the volume pedal or tone pedal. Yeah it just kind of permeates to the song and it gives, and it's not a traditional ballad. It's a little dark. Don't bother me's dark. Two of the earliest mm-hmm. George compositions. Okay. Cry for a shadow, not super dark, but also writ- written with John. <laughs> That's a different thing, yeah, right? I, you certainly don't bother me. And I need you. And I need you, especially for a love song. Don't bother me is pretty overt. The thesis is in the title. Yeah. Whereas I need you is the opposite of that, but it still feels a bit, the volume pedal gives it an eerie kind of ethereal feel that I've always been fascinated by. There's a weird resolution that doesn't resolve and turning like this, I just don't go on anymore. There's almost, it's like two chords that don't necessarily fit on top of each other before it resolves. Yeah. It's, I think, an incredible song. And I have to say, last thing on this, Tom Petty covered this with the Heartbreakers at the concert for George. It's the only cover I've ever heard of this. And Tom Petty's voice fits this song so well that it's just a great, great cover. It has a Tom Petty feel to it, which is a compliment. Yeah. It maybe laid the, the groundwork for, what was his band? The Mud the Mud Hens or something like that. His Florida band before he oh, moved yeah. to LA. Was it Mud Hut? Mud Crutch. Yeah. Something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to call him Mud, Tom Petty in Mud Hut. <laughs> How <laughs> offensive. Like, what? 
Yeah. No, Tom Petty was in Mud Honey. Yeah. He, yeah. He wrote uh, Touch Me, I'm Sick. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I'm Gen X. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, no, but Tom Petty was my first concert, actually, on that, um, the Full Moon Fever tour. Rosemont Horizon 91? It was, I think, 90 for me because okay. I saw um, Lenny Kravitz opened up for him. Yeah, you're right. That would be 90 because the album was 89, I think. So yeah, that would yeah. be 90. Album came out in 18. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first real concert. That wasn't like seeing my uncle play with the uh, Navy band at the, <laughs> wherever in Iowa somewhere. That was my first concert. Was your <laughs> uncle in the Navy, <laughs> doing the Navy band? Uh, my first concert was ro- at the Rosemont Horizon and it was, um, oh no, you know what I realized uh, uh, like a couple years ago, I've been telling the story as a lie. For so long because I switched the two <laughs> concerts together, but I found the ticket stub. My first concert was Julian Lennon on the Velat tour at, I think, the Auditorium Theater or the Blacks. It was somewhere downtown. But the show that I always thought was my first concert, which was the following January, was Survivor opening for REO Speedwagon at the Rosemont Horizon. <laughs> and this is 1986, so it was, I mean, it's not cool. <laughs> But better than like, oh, yeah, I saw Survivor Night Speed Speedwagon in 2011, you know? Mirage and all. I love when no one can sing anymore and all the keys are lowered. So it's like. Rise and off, back on the street. You know, he was the guy that did all those. Um, those uh, remember those radio commercials that were all the all the rage years ago? Um it was like a, a real man does this. It was like a whole thing. We, you heard him for years. Uh, oh, like real man, a genius. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the guy from Survivor. No, really? Yeah. Pretty sure. I'd have to, we'd have to fact check it, but I'm pretty certain it's him. Pretty certain. Wait it's a minute. Him. Beyonce sang Survivor. Was that Beyonce? <laughs> and does Beyonce sing? One, eight, seven, seven cars for kids. K-A-R-S, cars for kids. Come on now. One, eight, seven, seven cards for kids. Donate your car today. One, eight, seven, seven cars for kids. One more time. <laughs> okay, also from Rubber Soul, one of my favorite Beatles love songs is a John one, Girl. This was the last song to be recorded for uh, Rubber Soul, but John continued to like this song, unlike things like Run For Your Life and uh, other songs he later dismissed in that 1980 interview. I like this song. It's about a dream girl. He didn't know it, but it was about Yoko, I guess. He later said that it turned out to be Yoko. I don't know. I like this song a lot. And there's that instrumental part that was kind of nicked from Zorba the Greek, apparently. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Do, 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 And this is, uh, you know, there's Greek guitar lines on Michelle. So it's for, this is like a very kind of Greek sounding album. Turns out. Yeah. <laughs> Democracy. <laughs> it also sounds like the soundtrack from Greece. Like every song, ha- like I feel like Michelle is It's Raining on Prom Night, whereas Girl is Sandy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which song is Beauty School Dropout? What goes on? <laughs> totally. The word is born to hand jive. <laughs> I've always liked this song. That big, heavy breathing part, I always thought was just a really cool choice. I'd never heard a record do that before, you know, and it's kind of a sly reference to maybe all the pot they were smoking at that time. 
But there's also that kind of a Lenny and Squiggy. Remember when Lenny and Squiggy would see a pretty girl and they'd like bite their hands uh-huh. and, make- and do a six minute take to the camera? <laughs> yeah. It also puts me in that mind too, which I like that stuff. Yeah, it's a sly little song. You know, they got their veiled references to marijuana. Instead of saying dit, 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 they say tit, 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 uh-huh. right? It's kind of childish, also like schoolboy that way. Locker room talk, Tony. Uh. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. No, that ain't what I mean. Well, what do you mean? Spit it out! But also the lines about, like, pain will lead to pleasure. It's also Lennon's kind of, he's starting to knock on Catholicism a little bit. The idea that you must be tortured and other for things to be right. So that resonated with me as well as someone who was kind of forced into Catholicism and was constantly at odds with it, as a, especially as I got into my teen years, yeah. So I like this song wow. a lot on many levels, many levels. I'd never thought of that lyrical interpretation that way, and you're totally right. Well, I didn't come up with it. I, I read it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it resonated with me. So it's interesting because Girl is a classic love song that was almost released as a B-side really? to You're Gonna Lose That Girl on Love Song. When Love Songs came out, they oh. almost issued You're Gonna Lose That Girl backed with girl got it so it was almost part of the you know i guess you got to call the part of the beatles canon if it was released um, you know worldwide but it wasn't they withheld it there was no single from love songs but yeah that's a great song was she told when she was young that pain would lead to pleasure did she understand it when they said that a man must break his back to earn his day of leisure she still believe it when he's dead oh, girl. Girl, girl. Another Rubber Soul song, at least the American Rubber Soul and the British Help, is my next love song, which is I've Just Seen a Face, also known as Auntie Jen's theme right. and also known to me as Fallen Apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's your title for it. <laughs> that's my title for it. I feel like this is Paul McCartney, a kid from Liverpool, writing a bluegrass song. This was written, I think, early, and this is another early Paul McCartney song, was writing around his house. So he'd had the song going forever. I think maybe 60 or 61 was when this song was first played. This was called Auntie Jin's Theme because his aunt liked the song. And when they fleshed it out for the Help album, and then it kicked off the American Rubber Soul, Right, it had become this kind of fast, upbeat, bluegrass song with convincing guitar playing, This to me is one of my favorite Paul songs, and he loved it so much. It's one of the few songs he did on the Wings Over America tour in 76, having not done any Beatles songs since then. Long Tall Sally he did, but that's, you know, of course, a cover. But I always judge the songs on Wings Over America. I've Just Seen a Face, Yesterday, Long and Winding Road, and Lady Madonna. I judge those as songs Paul must have really loved to have chosen those, having done no Beatles songs in so many years. 
And it also proves that love songs can also have some pep, can be fast. They don't have to be these ballads. They don't have to be syrupy. They can be fun. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about like what is the fastest Beatles song. And of course, it always depends on where you count your ones and through fours or threes if you're doing a waltz. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is arguably the fastest Beatles song. I've just seen a face I can't forget the time or place where we just met. She's just a girl for me and I want all the world to see we've met. Mm -hmm, Falling, yes, I'm falling. She keeps calling me back again Falling, yes I'm falling And she keeps calling me back again Oh, falling, yes I'm falling And she keeps calling me back again And a perfect opener for Rubber Soul As we talk about the American albums a lot here That U.S. Rubber Soul is my favorite Beatles record could not agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. That's how I hear this song, as the opening to Rubber Soul, because that's, that's how I first heard it. Me too. We're not up to wild cards yet, but this one is maybe a, a wild card, but I stand by it. My number five is I Want You, She's So Heavy from Abbey Road. Wow. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm pretty John heavy on my love songs, it turns out. But this is what I'm getting at when love songs don't have to be ballads and this sort of thing. This, to me, is a mature love song. This is a this is a love song from a man who's what was he about to turn 30? He's like 29 or so, right? So he's been through like life. He's been married, he's been divorced, he's had a kid, and now he's he's discovering love again in this carnal form with Yoko. We're talking about John Lennon and Yoko, and it's a sexy song. I think it's one of the Beatles' most sexy songs. And I like how heavy it is. It's very simplistic. It's singular-minded. It's almost obsessive, you know. There's only a few lyrics. I want you. long it's one of their longer songs in the catalog i love how long it is i mean it it, in a way like yeah it's like a makeout song i don't know if you knew this like they used to do this in drive-in movies way back in the 70s or whatever where the credits would roll this is how superfly ends where the credits are done but the music still continues in the dark after the credits are done for another like minute and a half and i guess that was done so people could like make out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that why deep down is seven minutes long on McCartney three? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Paul fade out, fade it out. It's a, it's a good song. Fade it out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I've always loved this song and I consider it a love song. It's also proof that love songs can rock and can be loud and that you are adults, you know, <laughs> who like to fuck or whatever. So I, I'm into it. I like this. I was excited when I saw this because it's such a unique, like this song was not on love songs or not on the Beatles ballads. This, this is 
this is this one's a file under rock. This one's kind of a heavier uh, uh, be- yeah. Beatle cut. One of the things, and this is not one of my favorite Beatles songs, but one of the things I've always loved about it is as the white noise begins to creep in the last, what, 45 seconds of the mm-hmm. song or so, and it comes to almost a day in the life type crescendo, only it doesn't resolve. It just cuts out. I loved The Sopranos and that last day. I did not love The Closer so much, but I'm not talking about the Kira Sedgwick show, The Closer. Let's just get into those shows. All right. What do you like more? Uh, Turner Hooch or Kate Malley? (laughs) Scarecrow and Mrs. K. Jake and the Fat Man. (laughs) Jack and Mike. I don't know if you remember that one. (laughs) I still have a VHS tape from taping uh, Charlie Brown Christmas from 1986, 1987. And it begins with, Scarecrow Mrs. King will not be seen tonight, so CBS can bring you the special presentation. And then it played the CBS special. Because of the following special program, Scarecrow and Mrs. King will not be presented this evening, but will return next Monday at this time on most of these stations. Oh, I was mentioning The Sopranos. When Don't Stop Believing doesn't resolve. It's exactly how side one and side two of Abbey Road end, because Her Majesty doesn't resolve on side two. And then on, on side one, I want you, she's over, doesn't resolve. So that's always one of my favorite hallmarks of that song. Yeah. I'm, I'm, imp- I'm impressed. It's a ballsy pick for this list. <laughs> Thank you. I stand by it. Yeah. It's a cry of love. My last choice before we get to our wild card is not as adventurous as yours, but it's one that has always been a top 10 Beatles song for me. Paul McCartney, he loved it. He tried to make it a single, but they just didn't quite have the juice to make it a single. And it's every little thing off of Beatles for Sale. The use of the timpani, you don't hear a lot of timpani in Beatles songs. Every little thing she does, boom, boom, is such a nice, nice sound. It's rare in that it's a Paul song that John's taking the lead on. Yeah, that is interesting, huh? I don't know how many instances there are of writing songs for each other. You know, it's funny. John used to complain that, oh, darling, on Abbey Road should have been given to him. Right, right. Most of the time, the Beatles sang their own songs. So it's interesting to hear an early Beatles Paul track sung by John. It sounds like a true John and Paul collaboration by virtue of that. The guitar solo, which is very simple. It's got that kind of birds, 12 string feel. The, the guitar solo ends unresolved. And as a love song, it's a, just a beautiful, when I'm walking beside her, people tell me I'm lucky. Yes, I know I'm a lucky guy. Like, it's very John introspective, despite being a Paul lyric. And I've always just adored every bit of this song. It's definitely one of my favorites from that record. That's a that's a fun pick, man. That's fun. So uh, here's my wild card. We had to pick um, we had to pick a song that maybe non traditional within the Beatles kind of love song canon. If we were doing a solo show, it would be only Love Remains from Press to Play, the single mix 
which was pulled for Valentine's Day release and has never been on CD, but <laughs> it was kind of remixed. And I've always loved Only Love Remains. <laughs> That's weird because where I was in my lifetime, like I think Press to Play was my Sergeant Pepper, which is also <laughs> emblematic of other issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to get that looked at, man. <laughs> I guess that means my revolver is the Broad Street soundtrack. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is what that means. My wild card is from Rubber Soul. And it's so fine. It's sunshine. It's the word love. Written a couple years before All You Need Is Love. This to me is an even more powerful because All You Need Is Love feels grounded in the summer of love. 67 and the, the One World video and uh, all that stuff feels right. so of its era. This is late 65 at this point. And I was born in 74, so I was not alive to see this, but when from everything you read about the the explosion of love and that movement was just kind of beginning Dylan and folk rock and what the Beatles and Stones were doing. So I've always felt like this is an almost improved all you need is love from a spiritual and just a pacing standpoint. I love this song. Yeah, I, I like that it's your wild card because, yeah, it's not a traditional like, I love you, you know, you love me love song. It's like a conceptual love song. I know that the Beatles themselves seem to consider this as like one of their important songs in their development, that they were onto something different with this song than other songs. Well, it's also, it foretells Got to Get You Into My Life a bit on Revolver. This is kind of a funk song. Right. It starts with like this kind of stuttering piano intro, then just begins to kind of groove. It's got that harmonium. Yeah. It's layered. It's thick. It's sixties. But again, God, the beauty of these men is that it's got some of the innocence of help and some of the prog of revolver fused into one on rubber soul. That's what's so amazing about it. Yeah. It's a good record. Well, my wild card comes from the year 1996. This is like... Oh, Julian Lennon's photograph smile. <laughs> it's Julian Lennon's photograph smile. <laughs> oh, how, how did I know? <laughs> yeah, in honor of your first concert, your first real concert, TJ. And she's waving It would be real love on my on my wild card Ooh. pick. 1996. Jeff Lynn is the producer based on a uh, John Lennon demo. He had a few of these laying around, in fact, but he chose one of them in which the Beatles overdubbed drums, guitar, bass. They weren't into it as much as they were with Free as a Bird because there were no extra parts written for it that made it like a true Beatles song. And in fact, I think it's on the DVD outtakes. They were kind of complaining about being sidemen to John Lennon. <laughs> the first free as a bird, they're like, we'll just pretend that John went on a tea break. The second one, they're like, well, it was written already. We had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've actually, I've always liked this song. I definitely, obviously, I prefer it to free as a bird uh, as far as Dreedles songs go. Just like little girls and boys. Thank you. 
I chose it because I we were we had been talking about maybe adding one solo song in there, but I just couldn't pick one. I couldn't pick just one solo song. So I was like, this is the closest version of a solo Beatles song, but technically it's the Beatles. I love the melody on it. I love the feel of it. Jeff Lynn had to take a 60 cycle hum out of it and a bunch of tape hiss and clicks and all this stuff before transferring it to dat. Hiss and clicks and birds chirping and (laughs) a little specter for you. (laughs) So uh, here's a question because I love this too and I love everything about both Jeff Lynn productions because they're so weird and there's the whole kind of lie behind them that George Martin's hearing wasn't good enough. So he couldn't do it. And yet George Martin was uh, remixing the love soundtrack eight years later or whatever it was. Right. Um, Right. uh, But, uh, you know, the the Jeff Lynne, both things are flawed, but also beautiful. I think I am still so tied to that real love demo that opens the Imagine documentary. Not not the album doc, the David Wolfer movie. movie, Yeah. From from 88 88, movie. Yeah. Which was as a Beatle fan, I'll never forget was I saw that in 900 North Michigan theaters downtown. And that that was like a big moment in my beat of life was seeing that, I think, in the fall of 88, maybe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I learned so much from that movie as yeah. a 14-year-old. Um, yeah. But I still prefer that simple demo where he's kind of whistling at the end of it to the Jeff Lim one. But it's a great choice because it's it's a really pretty and very simple song. All the little plans I think it's a great way to officially go out because I don't think they'll be doing that ever again. No, although there's rumor that now and then, not to be confused with the Robert Plant album Now and Zen. <laughs> I think it did <laughs> make up. Did make, make up a Robert Plant? Didn't Robert Plant's song Big Log? Wasn't that just written about taking a shit? <laughs> Did you ever hear that story? <laughs> That, that Robert Plant tune. I read somewhere someone dared him to write a song about taking a shit, so he just called it Big Log, and that was it. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Lead me on. That's a weird one. Um, at any oh. rate, Now and Then is another unfinished John song that George kind of said. He put the kibosh on that, so they never quite got to it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a special thing, and it's a nice... We tie a nice bow in our Valentine's Day episode, TM. Thank, thank uh, you. Brackets, SIC. Um, <laughs> uh, because that song was released as a single for Valentine's Day 1996. And in fact, on the cover art of both the CD single and the fairly limited vinyl, 45, there's a heart on it, which was kind of meant to have a direct tie-in in record stores for Valentine's Day. There you go. Actually, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and I was existing and around. I was technically, I was working radio 
when that was dropping, but our station didn't play the Beatles anymore. We weren't classic rock anymore. We're rock. So I played <laughs> 29 Palms by Robert Plant instead or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not my choice. Yeah, well, happy Valentine's Day to you and happy Valentine's Day to all you who like to say it that way. Here's to uh, next Valentine's Day, us being able to be healthy and go out and do things and uh, show the ones we love how much we love them beyond staying indoors for a year on end. Real quick, I'll, I'll list off some of my, uh, my favorites that didn't make it on that I considered. She loves you. I want to hold your hand. All I've got to do. And I love her. Long and winding road. We can work it out. Don't let me down. This boy. And I actually don't know any other Beatles songs, so I just have my list as what it was. They're fine. I like Duran Duran. Okay, fine. Best love songs. Rio, Hungry Like the Wolf. We talk about this every two weeks. The cover of White Lines. Way better than Public Enemy. Sorry. Public Enemy didn't do that. Grandmaster Flash. Right, but Public Enemy covered Grandmaster Flash's version. Did they? Are you serious? No, I have no idea. I just got confused for a sec. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 